0: There is nothing anti-proletarian about Krabs beer because it is, it is just beer. It's good God beer. Right. beer it's higher alcohol content. It's beer with flavor. We're not hemmed in by the European um, sort of distillation. You know, Germany, you can only use hops, flour, yeast, and water and stuff like that. And in Belgium, they're using fruities and whatever. No, nah, no. Nah. We do
1: what we want. We do it. You know what? If you want to put it in a fucking bourbon barrel, do it. America, baby.
0: You know, hey. Oh, you drinking the uh, the yeah. Bud Bourbon flavored one? <laughs> Hell yeah!
1: How's that? How is that for a little bit of uh, nationalist fervor on DPS to start today's show? Uh, it's A celebration of our the nation
0: beer state, folks. It's 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 not the best, but uh, it, how about a Dos Equis thinking about nation states? Um, I don't always like nation states. <laughs> before the socialist revolution i'll take the one i was born in um, <laughs> but, but when
1: i do i choose the the country that has the best uh, the best craft beer industry look i spent some time in canada and i love my i love my canadians i love oh, toronto i miss it spril, dearly it's just cold just as fuck water. but dude the beer up there is horrendously
0: bad it made it, me well, pine the, the, long the beer there for is like our system in the like country. the 80s right it's as if like we just had coors Budweiser and Miller which of course is like they're all part of like different multinational shell companies and they're basically now two beer companies in the world and it's like Brazilian oligarchs and shit that run them but it's okay yeah it's all right all
1: right joining us today on the program if you guys haven't figured this out by now is Daniel Maris Dan is a politics he's on the politics beat the electoral politics beat at HuffPo how you doing, Dane? Thanks for sharing us uh all of your opinions on the American craft beer scene. I think we see eye to eye on this. So it's it's a good way to start the show. How you doing? I
0: do I do have to correct you. <laughs> no, uh it's it's HuffPost. We're very offended, you know. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if you don't yet know my ornate sort of rhetorical codes here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as as especially now that you're living in central Virginia. Huff is not right. HuffPo is not uh, admissible. We're not doing that. Post. Uh, yeah you know i don't know whatever man it, it it's it's one of those things that everybody calls us and nobody internally calls ourselves and uh look it was a fucking blog 10 years ago okay you guys you guys are killing it these days you know
1: just take whatever it is that we throw at you at this point you know like that's right you know success deserves way, a little bit of a little bit our of
0: second union contract our we are our, our union contract i think it expires on Sunday or Saturday or something or maybe Monday I can't remember because I'm not on the bargaining committee anymore but how mature is the digital media union movement that what was then the largest digital shop to unionize it's no longer uh that would be probably probably vice and some other properties like whatever but we're like on to new contract negotiations yeah, That's awesome. shouts out to, the, to the... the the details of that but my colleagues are working hard on that Yeah. Shouts out Uh, to
1: you guys for unionizing and spreading that around. You know, it's important. I think it's, you know, it it, it injects a little bit of class struggle, you know, mentality into our journalistic class, which has historically been kind of coddled, you know, uh, tipping up uh, martini glasses with the rich and powerful across, you know, uh, the metropolitan areas of this great nation with its amazing craft beer scene.
0: It's (laughs) crazy. And using the corporate card on the craft beer scene, you know, I've been there. I, I, It's amazing, though. I think it's a bit of crest and trough because the period when I think of journalists being even more elitist than they are now, like the like eighties, nineties, two thousands, they were also all working for like legacy media outlets that were like almost uniformly unionized, right? But we know that those two things are not mutually irreconcilable, right? In in the sort of AFL branch craft labor type membership driven movement that, you know, yeah. we live in. So. It, has, it has guild. It has a guild
1: model it as its basis, which a guild model for those of you who go back to like the 19th century trade union movement, in the United States and all that history, the guild model was as protectionist as it was class struggle oriented. In fact, even more so protectionist in terms of protecting crafts and standards and, and shutting out um, the kind of, you know, less resourced among the workers so the AFL CIO—that's a long history. It's an
0: interesting thing. Yeah, we, we we could talk building trades here, but like let's yeah.
1: go there. Right? <laughs> we're not gonna go. We're not gonna go to the the formation of the CIO that shook all that up. But one day we should. Today we're gonna be talking about the Iowa caucus, folks. I know if you're anything like me and you're listening to this podcast, and you probably are. Otherwise, why the hell are you listening? Um, you're shaking in your boots in anticipation for for Monday. Um, I think that it's promising for those, the Bernie loyal, the Bernie faithful out there. The, the polls are looking pretty good, but we're going to break some of those polls down. We're going to talk about the Iowa caucus itself. We're going to talk about just what the hell is a caucus? How does it work? And we've got the man on the show today to break all that down. So let's start there. You've been on the, you've been on the campaign trail for about a year. We started this journey together about this time last year, talking about the primaries. It's been almost 12 months. We did it. We d- we did yeah, it. I, I didn't do shit. I sat at home. I, I sat point. at home. You I was, did it. I was You've bullish. been
0: on the campaign trail. What's I, it been like? I, I I have to I have to eat crow here if I'm if I'm gonna come back a year later. Um, I, I had been Same. trailing Jill Brand around, and I was like, don't sleep on Jill Brand. You know, <laughs> she's got that she's got that chaotic upstate New York energy. You know, big and, wine mom energy. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right. Well, well, that was part of the problem with her. She could not ever quite decide how to peg herself. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's um, it, it is 100 percent true that like Iowa has upstate New York vibes in some ways, but neither here nor there. Yeah, I'm sitting in a hotel room in Iowa City. I've I've gotten an extension from housekeeping in terms of checking out. Uh, <laughs> and yesterday, Adam, I was I went to a couple different events. The first event I went to was in a town called West Liberty, Iowa where I've mostly been following around Bernie at this point, I would say he's been my primary specialty this cycle. Also, the secondary one in that in that equation is probably Buddha just in terms of people who I've specialized in. And but right now, I'm, I'm sort of in that final run. And I think my 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 boss is really like me focusing on Bernie. And Bernie, basically, the thing that I did that was that I've been trying to hunt down and I'm going to be coming out with in the next day or so, is a look at his efforts. So there's been a lot written about Bernie's outreach efforts to Latino voters nationally. There's been a lot written about his significant success in that respect in the this year early primary state of California. Right. Killing it in California up like 10, 15 plus points, depending who you're paying attention to. Right. And this is a state that's now going on Super Tuesday, mean, meaning it's tied for all the southern states with fifth, which if, if this is still as dispersed of a race or even if it's not, um, makes, you know, gives a progressive, more progressive state like California a much bigger voice this year. But in Iowa, the largest minority group is Latinos. It's six percent of the population compared to like two or three percent black. And I don't know how many Asian and A lot of those folks came, I mean, I was just hearing yesterday that some of them came to build railroads like 75 or 80 years ago. I
1: was about to to crack a Deadwood joke.
0: Fuck me if it's not apt. Are you serious? So they go back that far? Yeah, I'm not an expert in it and I don't, I don't even, I I, I can't claim to be, but I was speaking to a man who, uh, who is a city councilman in West Liberty, Iowa, which is a town in rural in a rural eastern part of the state a farming and sort of industrial town as everything out there is that he came 36 years ago so in the early 80s and he was he claimed that there have been latinos in the eastern part of the state since like 75 or 80 years ago because they came to build railroads or something i don't know what that means but i but basically you know long story short The the Bernie folks have identified something like and I'm going to give you guys a preview of the story that I'm coming out with. So this has not been yet been revealed. You're getting a sneak peek. They've identified something like sixty eight thousand eligible Latino voters, and they believe that only eighteen hundred to two thousand of those people have ever caucused in the Democratic caucus in Iowa. But we're talking about a caucus that typically attracts on the order of two, two hundred fifty thousand people in a state of. I don't know, more than two and a half, three million. So it's to begin with a small affair. Voting rates among Latino immigrants are lower because of newness to the country, because of socioeconomic background and factors. But I talked to top Bernie advisor, Chuck Rocha, who's a Mexican-American guy from Texas and is with Bernie second time around this time. And he's sort of He's a comms consultant or, or voter voter contact type consultant, does direct mail, does advertising, what have you. And he basically said they've been bombarding the three Spanish language weeklies and handful of radio shows in the state since nine months ago to really introduce themselves to him, uh, to, to these voters. And their main message is just solidarity. The the slogan is Nuestra n- Nuestro Futuro, Nuestra Lucha, Our Future, Our Fight. And they have these sort of events that they call Unidos con Bernie, United with Bernie. And I was at one of those yesterday where a band called Las Cafeteras that does traditional Mexican music from East LA was out there um, in West Liberty. Mine and 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 so I think one of the things I was starting to to, to allude to before we jumped on the call, Adam, is, is that one of the innovative things about Bernie's pitches, and I don't know how it's innovative, but it's intuitive is just that find ways to target different audiences with the Spanish language newspaper ads, with the, with the the radio ads, with the surrogates, with the sort of mariachi bands and all sorts of stuff. I mean, this wasn't a mariachi band yesterday, but they've had those, but, the message itself, and this is something I know you appreciate as an anti essentialist, yeah. is universalist and class and economic focused in nature. And specifically, it's based on an understanding that the number one concern of Latino voters in Iowa and nationwide is health care, just as it is for all Iowa Democrats. By the way, the second. This concludes your free teaser of this week's Beside. Head over to patreon.com slash deadpundits and subscribe today to heal the rest of this episode and to double your DPS pleasure each week.